Welcome to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 196 with Morgan T. Chevaux. How Kaha Magic. Hailing from New Zealand, this mystic Libra brings cards, esoteric ramblings, and steeds to the mix. Join the team as we get to know Kiwi Morgan. Welcome. Uh, welcome, and I will start with uh, some words from the native language here. Uh, which I know a little. Um, Kiwi, this land is called Aotearoa, which means land of the long white cloud. So quite fitting. We have a bit of um, a bit of air energy going on amongst us today. And I will finish brief word with Aroha Nui, which means big love. So a lot of gratitude for the invitation to be here today. Definitely, dude. Uh, I've known you on Facebook for a hot minute, and I've tried. I, I was in Australia about a, a, literally a year ago. At that point, I was like, "Come on!" And we didn't figure it out. And then, as soon as I got back here, I realized the time zone thing might be an issue. But here we are. Uh, thanks for waking up early. And it's funny because I named this episode. I forget what it is off the top of my head. Like, um, but the words meant in Maori, uh, wind power, because you and Raphael are Libras, and I'm a Gemini. We're air gang as fuck right now. So. I figured that was appropriate, plus a little homage to uh, the island on which you live, or the continent. It's not a continent, it's an island. Okay, yeah. No, Notice my geography uh, skills. Um, it's three islands, and I am currently uh, residing in the island called Tiwai Panamu, which uh, means the rivers of Panamu, which is greenstone. So neophyte jade and greenstone is the healing stone of these lands it's a very very sacred stone and um so if anybody wants to feel healing feel love in their life uh or wants to give that to somebody else uh greenstone's the stone to go to and buy it for people don't buy it for yourself noted it's actually a heart chakra day green heart chakra day according to the mind dream spell um so synchronistic there so something we do typically at the beginning of these episodes is correspond the number which is 196 in this case uh, to a major arcana terror card that would reduce down to the chariot which is i am confident that with discipline i will succeed this is about taking charge of your own destiny seizing the moment letting the momentum carry you forward this is about finishing what you set into motion don't hesitate you can do this Raphael. what would the angel card be so we got angel number 10 this is Aladia, the angel of divine grace. This angel is invoked against diseases and evil, negative energy and spirits. Associations are six of pentacles in the tarot, therefore Taurus, moon, earth, quartz, hokma. And the affirmation is, I am challenged now to give more freely and to share purely from the heart. The human distortions are amongst others. Waste, squandering, broken promises, hidden crimes, and moral decadence. Whereas the angel qualities are, or angelic qualities, divine grace that absolves and pardons all faults, dissolves all karma, spiritual and material abundance, reinsertion in society, great healing power, regeneration, flourishing health, helping the underprivileged, new beginnings, second chance, innocence. 
So I'm curious, Morgan, um, what between the chariot and that angel card? Yeah, for yeah, sure. Wow. wow. Between the chariot. What resonates? Uh, wow. You heard about the heart and, um, and that is really beautiful. And I, that was a lot, Raphael. Um, and two came up, the number two came up in my card that appeared this morning is the high priestess number two. Um, and there's a lot in this and it's kind of interesting. I, I do intuitive reading. Um, I've studied little bits of books and pieces, but I see what I see and what comes to me from the card. So number two, we're in a weird situation because New Zealand is the leading edge of the world. So numbers and time, like that's a fucking rabbit hole trip to get into. And this is like about this year, uh, 2020 and the numbers in that. It's 2.22 where I am right now, actually. Is it really? Fancy that. Um, so looking, I'll just go briefly into what uh, flows into me from this card. Um, I'll say I deeply work with the left. Uh, that is what I was gifted early on in my life. And the high priestess and the feminine is the left-hand path, is the path through darkness. And it's the path to the heart. And um, it's not an easy path for people to walk. And I think 2020 as a year has forced people on both sides, feminine, masculine, left and right, to collapse their own dualities into the zero point, into, into their own self and their own circle. And the high priestess is one of those channels you can go to get to that. And the people who have done the work this year and found that zero, that stillness inside them, have um, will have amazing gifts for next year. They'll have to transfer them to the right side and take that power in the masculine. But if they've done the work, uh, yeah, heading into whatever next year is a five-year is going to be really, really beautiful and powerful to see unfold. It's funny because the card for the episode is the chariot card, which shows um, the two in the right away deck. It shows the black and white sphinxes, essentially, um, you know, balancing them and be, being, you know, being on the back, kind of managing polarity, kind of like you were saying, uh, collapsing the polarity to the zero point and being a rider on the storm of life here. So interesting times indeed. Um, we can kind of take this anywhere, but I am kind of curious. I, I have no clue how I stumbled upon you, whether it was like a Terrence McKenna group or a psychedelics group or what. A couple of years ago, I became aware of you at some level. Um, and uh, we became Facebook friends. We talked a little. Uh, this is our first time actually speaking like long at length or anything like that um so i'm kind of curious uh you can be as long-winded or as short-winded as you want to be like what kind of culture were you growing up in when did you start turning on to magic and cards and you know psychedelics and nature in a you know deeper way um and how to, basically how did you get to where you are now <laughs> oh wow okay um that's quite a lot to to sort of uh unbox but we're heading towards christmas so i can do a little um we'll start with the tarot the uh the first time i saw tarot was when i attended a catholic high school funnily enough in the library uh when that was found out it didn't last too long before it was shut down but um but yeah that was my first introduction um to tarot by a friend who lives in the same town as me at the moment funnily enough um and that was an interesting time. I was the lost sheep at 
went to that was my third high school and they saw they saw something in me and um and they knew I was special and so they gave me a chance at their school after being expelled from previous schools for let's say indulgences of substances and taking the path very young into psychedelics were you going to school on acid or what was going on there Oh, is this confession time? Um, <laughs> well, you don't need to incriminate yourself, but I'm just curious. Like, it's, I, I'm not judging you. I don't really care, but it sounds like you, you know, the Catholics were smacking your hand for some of your uh, life path choices. Um, no, interestingly enough, the Catholics weren't smacking my hand. I, um, and that was the school I was going not on acid, um, mushrooms, and I, it's it's on the record if anyone wants to look it up. I have a Class A drug conviction, like the same class as, let's say, heroin. Um, I don't know what it is in America, maybe cocaine, like the top tier. Uh, I have a conviction from 17 for picking mushrooms. So some days when I felt brave, I did go to school on mushrooms, but um, when your math teacher makes a joke saying he's he's better than God, and you're on mushrooms in the classroom, you're like, whoa, 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 wait, what? <laughs> that should be the class one uh, felony or whatever. I think in America now it's decriminalized where I live. Certain uh, states are decriminalizing it, so we're becoming more progressive with psychedelic mushrooms. It's cool that you were gathering them yourself, um, but yeah, that sounds like a gnarly trip. I don't know. Uh, I don't think I've ever gone to school on on hallucinogens. I've been stoned a bunch, but not psychedelics like that what, what's up Rafael? some go to the classroom others to the mushroom to the teacher right and, and there's that there's that, there's that very beautiful meme and i love it so much it's what when 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 the pupil expands or when the pupil is ready the teacher appears and there's truth to that on many levels so you were doing, you were getting in trouble for doing drugs. I mean, how did that go down? Was it obvious? You said you got caught for picking mushrooms, but like, did you get in trouble at school or were those not related events? Uh, that wasn't related events. I left school at 15 after three different high schools. Um, I sampled and I needed to sample. Um, I think that's the experiential learner. So you've got to go out and do the things to get the learning sometimes. And I started young um, and yeah, and it led me to some pretty, as you, I think you said, gnarly places in, in myself and with life. And that's why, that's why I work, I have worked predominantly on the left-hand path because that has been the path I've walked. And it's only really recently that I've got the information to take what I know and work in harmony with the right-hand path. Just to be perfectly clear right here, so depending on one's, uh, let's say, background in occult studies, uh, left-hand path and right-hand path may evoke a plethora of associations. And uh, would you maybe be willing to expand a little bit? Because to me, in a sense, of course, we have uh, a duality, let's say, or a polarity with masculine and feminine. feminine. However, the way I understand it with the left and right hand path is in a sense, actually, that's the way I see it, is actually about positive and negative polarization, <clears throat> which in itself has little to do with a masculine or feminine approach uh, exclusively, 
but it's just about whether one goes the path of love and integration or the path of uh, fear and uh, suppression domination um that is not necessarily directly tied to feminine or masculine energy and um, you catch my drift yeah entirely i guess your drift i'll um i'll i'll give some insight and we're jumping like i will jump time place space all of those sorts of things quite easily uh where i am right now is a place called hawir hawir flat and it is the heartland it, it is the heartland of this area in history and it also means the peacemaker so i understand what you mean about positive negative um these things charges we're talking science now and i did have fun in school with science um as a belief system and it's deeply occult science it's where our science comes from um so I do understand your drift in that, and I do understand left-right division. Like as 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 a Libra, we have to, uh, or we get this. We see it pretty easily, and we have to learn the middle path and the middle ground of utilizing um, energies. Utilizing let me put forces. it simply, and just asking basically because for me, left-hand path would sound like being mischievous More or. Well, that I didn't want to bring sure. that up deliberately, yeah? but uh, right. So whether you would describe yourself as that and therefore say left-hand path, because only saying going through the shadow and focusing on the feminine to me doesn't say left-hand path. You see what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah. Look, and 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 this is where and this is where a lot of things get quite interesting when we start talking about marrying paradoxes, because the left implies the right, the dark implies the light, the feminine implies the masculine, and we, then we start to get into realms of inversion, which people really struggle with, and then want to frame a moral concept on. Um, and it's really interesting where I live there's this weather pattern that occurs which they call inversion when the cloud just sits a dome it domes the sky it cuts off the sky and people hate it here because they're like where's the sun we need to see the sun we need to see the sun but like if you can't do inversion if you can't understand inversions how to go from one side to the other and understand how both imply each other and both secretly are each other then you can get quite lost and this is coming back to the zero and this is how the two, the two pillars in Kabbalah, and how the zero is very beautiful, because if you understand light, you understand that there is no straight line. Light bends. So imagine a line of light. If it's bending at both both ends, where is it going? Or what can it come into? It comes into the circle. It comes into itself. So if we think about polarity... As a line, we get lost, right? Where's the beginning? Where's the middle? Where's the end? If we let it bend, it comes back into itself. Right, and you were kind of discussing um, the Kabbalistic tree severity and mercy, I think being the um, kind of Joaquin Boaz pillars also in Freemasonry. So um, it's funny because this gets, I mean, you guys are both dualistic in a kind of different way. I'm a double Gemini, so dualistic in a, a separate way than Libras. Um, but it seems that to find the middle path, you have to know the extremes in a sense. Um, and I'm not even advocating ex extreme searching of the extremes. Uh, you know, like bypassing can occur. You know, you can become a nihilist if you go too hard left, I feel. If you go too hard right, you're just not aware of, you know, death and suffering. You just pretend it's not real or something. So kind of finding that middle path, that uh, third 
pillar, as they say, uh, is that's the heart chakra. I mean, it's the way of the heart, ultimately, instead of just the mind or just the, um, you know, uh, the intellect versus just the emotions. It kind of binds them into this place of unified wholeness. But I'm kind of rambling. Um, so no, no, that's so, that's that's, uh, that's perfect. If if you don't mind me jumping in there with that, because. And you're very right. Like I've pushed the boundaries and the edges a lot, and that's what I do. Um, and Raphael, you mentioned mischievous. Yes, I'll own that trait, um, and I will play that game if I need to do that to get what I need to know. And I've had to learn how to work that energy, but it serves, right? It serves me. It serves people. It serves the highest good in, situa- in situations. It means... I can be mischievous, I can even be deceitful. Um, but, and sometimes I've had to question why am I doing this? And other people will try and make me feel bad about that. But it hasn't led me wrong. It's led me to the truth um, about people who front, present images of I am light, and I know there's something behind that. And that's how I can utilize, let's say, the left hand path. Um, a little quick story when i was three years old i was attacked by a magpie and jim you would know they're australian birds they exist here too black and white and it attacked me on my face and i have a scar uh directly halfway between my eye and my ear on the left so i can see and hear in the dark when i need so that's fascinating uh yeah magpies are pretty aggressive birds um and uh, like in a cliche sense, the like only, cliche sense. only to protect the young only to protect the young and i've made peace with them and they are my friends now <laughs> so there's a bit of shamanism for you it's like it's like everything is teacher and if we're going to talk about oracle work or whatever like the universe speaks through everything if we are open and each of us are open in different ways and have different channels that we work with um, and just to touch back on what you said about, you made some really good points about the two pillars, right? And going to each. And we did talk about Kabbalah and we could even touch on Kundalini, some special K, um, with, because the two pillars, the two serpents, the two energies from either side come together. They twist, they move apart. They come together, they twist, they move apart and they rise just like our DNA. Or maybe just to provide some reference so we are synchronized because i've just been looking up like random paragraph on uh, the pillars basically can't even say what this is from exactly but ultimately it's just about what we've been speaking of on this show and many shows the union of the two pillars is said to generate a third pillar one in the middle which esoterically represents man and mankind i would also say here now that somewhere i'm not sure if it's manly palmer hall there's a nice quote saying something along the lines of that the truth is bound between the two uh, poles or between the two pillars. Of course, also all reality is found within the two polarities. So, you know, there's nothing outside of that anyways, I would say. Therefore, also truth. And then here it goes, one paragraph about the Kabbalistic meaning. When the two columns find equilibrium between them, it will signify the union of the Shushumna and the Kundalini. This sacred marriage will create a fire mist to radiate throughout the human body, filling it with divine light. It is then that humanity will become the third column of the temple wisdom. He, she will be a column formed by the combined forces of strength, yakin, 
and beauty, Boaz. This act forms the last, the lost word in the vibratory system of the soul's physical embodiment. Wow. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's very beautiful. And this is from Manly P. Hall, occultist, Freemasons. Um, the occult has a lot of a lot of fear generated around it, just like um, Alistair Crowley has. And yet these are beings who gave us such beautiful teachings and wisdom. Um, and that's definitely, I can't add any more to that, that quote because if you want to understand things, read things, learn things, feel it. It's, the truth is there in so many facets to, to look into. And, and, and that's why I do tarot or oracle work is to guide people to find their truth and their channel and that's all spirit does through oracle work is is direct somebody to themselves and to the formulation of their self or the creation into the divine beings that we are we already are but we have to forget that at times um which is two energy two energy is quite difficult because it is about separation and we have to have separation um, to begin with like there's no journey if if we're one there's no journey um, so this is two energy to make the third it's like one plus one doesn't equal two it actually equals three before we go too far down the tarot crowley um, occult route i kind of want to um get some perspective if you have any uh, thoughts after the fact of that magpie attack what maybe shamanistic or totemic lesson was there um does it you know does it synchronize and mean something at a higher level for you beyond just being attacked by a bird everything means something and we are we are the being to find our own meaning um through our experiences and sometimes you have to wait a long time to to understand that and have that gifted um what does it mean? Um, I could delve and peek a lot into that. Um, I think if I want to think about the symbolic and representative meaning of that, I can go a bit more deeper into the story. Uh, where we were going to a friend's house and delivering eggs, and my sister had the eggs, and my mum yelled out, ah, bird, or something like this, and my sister drops the egg, or she covers her head and drops the eggs, and me, being quite young, three, someone says, ah, bird, I look up to greet it. Um, so to me, that's an initiation. That's a, you know, I thought I've been cursed, I've been attacked, I've been scarred, but this is the blessing. I was blessed by that animal because I was receptive to take a warning, perhaps, that someone might have given and face it. Um, and look up to it and look directly at it and receive it and my life puts me in quite a few places where I still have to do this and I still have to face those things and let them come to me and I know I'm protected and I know I can do that work and that is quite dark work sometimes um, but I hold myself there because because I know I'm protected and I know I have a lot of energy of other beings as well who also give me um, protection to do the work that not many people will sign up for um, but it's choice we have choices in 
in what we do, a calling, a gift. You're given a gift. If you don't utilize it, um, things will go off in your life. If you do utilize it, um, you're going to you're going to go places and you're going to be looked after. It's funny because uh, even just the imagery of what you're saying with that story, I'm glad you filled us in with the details a little. Um, you know, self-protection in a way versus like looking into the fear. You didn't know any better. But you could say that's kind of a, the initiation into the left-hand path. It's like a little more violent, a little more fear. Doesn't doesn't actually mean bad things, but uh, you know, to go through the attack versus um, not. Uh, like your sister was kind of guarding herself. You didn't guard yourself. If you if you catch what I'm kind of saying, it I'm not trying to be like a moral absolutist about this, but interesting resonances. Do you know what like the um, energy of the magpie represents by any chance? I would have to look more into that. I do have a picture floating around somewhere in my material um, things, and it is of the magpie. And I do have a book somewhere which is about, uh, which goes into the Aboriginal um, creation stories. And there is one about magpie. If you guys, if you wanted to tap me out for a minute, I might be able to find the book. Um, and, and see if the story's in there, because there is a really beautiful one. I think it's a creation story, and Aboriginal mythology is one of the most, well, it's beautiful. They're all beautiful, but it's especially beautiful. It's actually a really old, uh, I mean, one of the older kind of mythologies. Go ahead, and, yeah, look for it. We'll talk amongst yourselves for a second. Um, it's funny because I don't know if it was with Stacey DeMarco. She's been a guest on the podcast. Uh, she's an Aussie, but she's made a bunch of Oracle decks. Um, I don't remember if it was on her episode or maybe I was just reading something with my fiance around that time, but something to the effect of like, oh, you know what it was? Uh, there's this trilogy called the Celestine Pro or uh, maybe there's more than three. I think there might be four books. Celestine Prophecies. Um, the first book is good. The second book is decent, and we didn't read past that. Uh, but in the second book, um, it's talking. Of, it's in America instead of like South America, and Peru. But um, they're in some like kind of valley or whatever. And there's this Native American who's kind of, uh, someone, I forget, maybe it's Native American, but someone is cueing this guy into, like, pay attention to the animals around you. Like, if you see a crow, it means something. If you see a bear, it means something. You know, not just the fact that, yes, there's a material essence there, but it's like there's a, I mean, to get kind of woo really quick, it's like this thing has a lesson. The universe is trying to teach through this scripting called material reality. It happens to be a bird who flies and lays eggs and does all sorts of shit, yes, but at the same time, it showing up on your path at a certain time in a certain way um, has significance uh, and correspondence essentially. So, you know, things like, and it's funny because that day after we read this, I live in Colorado. Um, I saw two eagles or something that day. I mean, there's a lot of crazy animals here up here, but like um, bald eagles. And it's funny because just from a purely naturalistic kind of, you know, biological, whatever, you know, material reductionistic lens, these are powerfully cool animals in an evolutionary sense and wow, they can fly, you know, all, you know, all sorts of cool stuff. But then if you pull back at another, like there's always more to the picture than meets the eye, right? Um, there's another layer where it's like, this means freedom or whatever it might mean symbolically. Um, you know, if you see a deer, it means X and it, various cultures have different projections of meaning. Um, but it's always fascinating to me. Uh, I think that shows the difference between someone who's more magical in their thinking versus more, uh, logical necessarily you could have both really good wizards do both right that's what we're kind of saying kind of middle path shit but um ultimately uh uh that i was kind of spacing on where i had experienced that uh 
you know, adage or whatever, it's coming from the Celestine Prophecy book. Raphael, what are your thoughts on kind of totems and animal powers and stuff like that? Well, everyone likes animals. Um, I don't know animal totems. Uh, any specific any specificity to your question? Because that's like you know. <laughs> well, we can get galactic and say snakes or reptilians. Is that our like like um, reptilian brain, the base of our brain stem, and we've developed neocortex. Uh, so oh, well, are big deal. One one interesting aspect, of course, as with all of nature, if we understand that reality is our own reflection, then we can understand that every human and equally every animal and so on, in a sense, is an apparently externalized aspect of our own consciousness, just in a more amplified and, uh, you know, pure form, I'd say. And in that, in seen that. from that perspective, it's very interesting to relate, you know, both to all kinds of humans and all kinds of animals or other entities as well. That is, I found the book and I had a flip through it, but I'll just respond quickly to what you said, Raphael, about externality. And that's a really beautiful thing. And that's why uh, they called Alistair Crowley the beast and why he owned that title is because he said, I am this creature. Like, I am this, I'm not rejecting it. And I think... From my look into aspects of, let's say, organized religion, some aspects of it, there's a lot of rejection, repression. So either you're holding it in or you're throwing it too far out of yourself. And 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 that leads to quite a lot of issues and quite a lot of darkness then manifests because of that. And, and the way of the occult or the way if you work with the left and the shadow stuff is about embracing that is about knowing you are that animal right like like we want it, we are divine beings we're human but we're also beasts as well like like let's say someone asked me what my favorite animal was the other day and i said jesus christ and i thought about it and i was like no i'm actually going to stick to that because once we cut the human away from the animal i think we lose a lot and you said very beautifully that nature <sighs> I can't remember what you said. You said it's almost more pure. Just like um, if we understand that, you know, reality is a mirror of ourselves, then I can see it, you know, I can recognize, let's say, the snake within myself and the lion and all of that. And then in this way, they can just be seen as an amplified aspect, but we are also containing it, just going with the principle as above, so below, and the one is all and the all are one. Yeah, entirely. So if if it's okay, can I read the, um, there's a story and it mentions, funnily enough, uh, Jim, it mentions the eagle and the magpie and also the crow. So it's quite a lot of bird energy going on in this little story. Wind power, go for it, bro. I'm just Im imbibing some, some, some air and steam and wind. Which is perfect. The story is called The Cave of Fire, and this is from what is it called? It's called The Dawn of Time um, Australian Aboriginal Myths. And I read all cultures' myths because if you want to understand things, read stories, read fairy tales. Uh, so, the eagle, Will Do, furious with his nephews, soon made plans for revenge. From the summit of a high mountain, Will do you could see the birds and animals dancing to celebrate his death. 
The crow and the magpie stood out from the grey-coated animals because in those early days, both of these birds had glossy white plumage. Now, will do, knowing of a cave in a group of boulders not far from the Koroburi ground, estimated that a sudden squall of rain would drive all the performers into the cave for shelter. So the eagle asked his wives, the kestrels, to go into the air again and flap their wings, this time to draw up a heavy storm of rain from the south. And the south is the heart um, place in most cultures. That's my little interjection there. Um, everything happened as Wildu had planned. When the rain started to pour down, the performers rushed to the cave. The animals went in first, then the magpie, and finally the crow, their bodies almost blocking the entrance. This, such, this suited the purpose of the eagle very well. Quickly, he and his wives covered the opening with a huge pile of grass and dead branches and set them on fire. When the fire died away, it was found that the wallabies, bandicoots, and other creatures had escaped unmarked. But the crow and the magpie were not so fortunate. The glossy plumage of the crow, who was nearest to the fire, was scorched completely black, or that of the magpie, being further from the fire, was scorched only in parts. And the Aborigines explain this is the reason why all the crows are black and the magpies black and white. That's what's up. Uh, it's funny because I know that Australian Aboriginals have um, the rainbow serpent as a kind of a myth. And uh, it's funny because on the one hand, if we're to talk about it, because it's essentially like, you know, an anthropomorphization at some level of like river, rivers and water energy, like fresh water, because it's the source of life, everything, you know, wherever the snake goes, life happens. Um, and then also it can have a level uh, where it's holographic and, and hyper mythic or whatever. Um, you know, before we fell into consciousness at a certain level, we might have just, it seems we were more Edenic in nature or something like that. And uh, just being able to be a part of the system in a holistic way without realizing our maybe our will uh, in a Crowleyan sense. And then when we, when we became of our choice, you know, the, the tree of good, knowledge of good and evil and choice within that spectrum uh, is kind of when we became human. Um, so thanks for telling us that little uh, thing. I'll never think, I mean, it's, it makes sense in a way. It's like, oh yeah, blackbirds, they got really close and burned or singed more or whatever. Sure, whatever. Yeah, for sure. And and one question that did come to mind before, um, before we even started chatting today was, um, now I understand you come from a place with a love for Christian scripture and hopefully quite a lot of uh, knowledge and wealth. And that's one of, my favorites too i i have lots of favorites in different places um and the thing about the fire and one thing that i've been talking to quite a lot of people recently about is the two baptisms there's two baptisms and one is of water one is by fire most people will willingly receive the water baptism uh <laughs> the fire baptism mm, yeah uh that's where a lot stop on on the path or go whoa 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 what no this is too much this is too extreme because because we don't think we can handle it um so just jim if you and Raphael as well if you have stuff to chuck out there about your ideas around these two baptisms because uh, the, this cave of fire story that mentions about the water um 
and but it also it's called the cave of fire it i think it parallels to that particular aspect of um christian theology uh i guess I, the things that kind of come to mind at first the star of david is kind of the fire and the water triangles coming together um i think in terms of the baptisms you're kind of talking about new testament thinking more where it's like you know john the baptist in the water dunk your head but then the spirit baptizing you with fire kind of more is potentially kundalini awakening um or whatever kind of coming into a different gnosis uh, beyond just kind of remission of sin or whatever um i don't know i can think for a second more off the top of my head though Raphael, what are you thinking honestly i'm listening <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else that comes up to my head. I mean, uh, in Genesis, it's got the whole flood, like the deluge story, and and even you know, in Genesis, whatever, it's like uh, saying the world was covered in water and won't happen again next time. It'll be a baptism of fire. It'll be a you know. Okay, so I've always thought solar flare, nuclear bombs, or who knows what. But um, but the, the the signs are out there. I mean, that's the thing. The signs are out there about that, and um. Yeah, and like I need to watch uh, what is the film because we can doubt we like we went pretty fucking deep pretty quick with a lot of topics and and that's what I do quite often. Um, but we can go light. We can go into pop culture. We can go into Hollywood. We can go anywhere. Um, but for some reason, I'm like I want to watch Waterworld again. Um, Kevin Costner, that strange film. I think there's some beauty in that, right? Oh, it's one of my favorite shit movies. It's like a major budget film that bombed. I think it's great for what it is, but I mean, I it, you know, there's a lot of issues. I I, I mean, I just it, it's not the best movie ever, clearly. But I, if people go into it with kind of an open mind and say this is like a sci-fi about global warming, even at the beginning in the um in the intro, or whatever, it's by Universal Pictures and it shows the globe and then it shows the ice caps melt and everything get covered. That's why it's a water world, uh, and places are um, you know where land is it's kind of mythic it's like oh we've got to find soil and stuff it's a crazy fucking sci-fi and you know even oh, there's, um, there's, there's beauty in it and and you can see so deep if you like that's the thing like people who reject pop culture and think it's below them i'm like uh okay um you're missing out if you you know you're actually i don't know i wouldn't say below above i'm just like okay you are not quite seeing what's behind and that's understandable and there's a lot of like programming of agendas and ideas but i talked about inversion earlier today and if you don't understand inversions uh you're gonna get quite quite interesting you're gonna go some quite interesting places and jim you mentioned earlier um going too far to the left too far to the right and i learned a lot from a guy called jay dyer and he has books called esoteric hollywood He's very much on the Christian light path and shuns the darkness and all this sort of stuff. But he has an ability because of his light, because of his faith, because of where he comes from, that he knows so much. And he studied. He studied theology. He studied um, film. Um, he's worth checking out for sure. I'd give him a little plug here. Um yeah, my learning of pop culture and my willingness to actually look into it and see the depths of it um, came largely from his work. His name rings a bell. I'm not sure if I've seen any of his videos or not, but uh, yeah, cultism in Hollywood and film and pop culture, that shit's real. Actually, the next guest we're having on uh, in an hour 
is a synchromistic who does a lot of Philip K. Dick. Um, um, it's not David Charles Plate, is it? No, I'm trying to get him on desperately. Shout out David. I'm, I mean, he's like, watch one of my sync movies and I'll come on. He's kind of being a bitch about it. But I've seen a bunch of his sync movies. That's all right. Get him on, though. Honestly, get him on because he he understands. He marries beautifully. And this is why I love his work because it resonates with me. He marries beautifully the, the light. Well, just the different wavelength, the light and the sound. And, and, and he knows synchronicity insanely and he dabbles and like i i hit him up a couple of years back and i said to him something about nick cave and then i didn't watch his work for ages and then i go back and he's got like three nick cave blends of that his music with different film and you know, you know the great one about the wizard of oz and pink floyd dark side of the moon and um how did that even come about like trippers probably well, what's not sync at some level, and then it's just a matter of differentiation. Um, yeah, the video that I watched, more, I mean, I've seen a few of his stuff before, but sometimes like he's got like, uh, sorry, Cassandra, I misunderstood everything, which is like nine hours. I'm like, oh, I don't have time for that. But the other day I watched, and Raphael could watch this if he wants to or anybody, um, on the sync book, we've had Alan on Znor is the next episode uh, after this episode in an hour. Uh, he just wrote a book. It's very much, uh, like I said, Terrence McKenna, James Joyce, PKD stuffs. Heavy, cool stuff. Major, major sinks. He, he, Alan, David, Charles, Blake, they all talk together all the time. Um, so yeah, I'm picking from that tree constantly. That's actually why it turned into a synchromistic at some point. I mean, I was eating LSD once a week and listening to like 42 minutes. Actually, Raphael, uh, I just booked them for some time in February. Uh, but they're a show. Kevin Halcott, he just said he would come on. Um, but he's been in like MIA for a while. Random people we've had uh, from that whole crew, they're part of the reason Team Rabbit Hole exists at all, except I think I took more of a fun approach and they're very, very serious, more Crowleyan. Um, but the whole, uh, you know, Parsons thing being like NASA, like all that shit, I, I, I turned on to that through them and I was like, no fucking way. I'd listen to hours of always records and just listen. That's part of the reason we do, we can even have these conversations. Just, that's where I got my gnosis from to degrees. Um, but no, it's not David Charles Plate. You should message him and be like, "Come on the show," because I'm always asking him to come on. I'll, I'll, like, I'll push him, bro. Do it, do it. So um, I say, let's take a quick music break, um, and we will come back. So if you need to pee or get some tea or anything like that, do it. Um, the song I picked, if we're gonna play it, is an effects twin, Aphex twin. I don't know how you pronounce that uh, remix. That's pretty cool. And uh, we've actually had a guest who DJed with him at one point, um, Kiralee Cosmic Priestess. She's actually an Australian in Thailand. That, she's cool. We'd like her. But in any event, um, it's a cool track. Uh, I heard it the other day, and it's like chops. So it's like 25% slower than normal, and it, it gave this, uh, I don't know, it, it, it gives it a different kind of uh, sense, uh, sensibility altogether, a different experiential um, phenomenological ride. So enjoy it, and we'll talk about it. Is it coming out And say again, Morgan. Yes, Morgan. Morgan, you here? So sorry, just to check. Are we? Are we? Are we on or off? Yeah, now we're on air, but we're gonna take a music we're break. We're on air, but we're gonna take a. I just wanted to chuck, chuck, chuck my um, Bluetooth speaker on so I can have it rumble all around my space while you play it. That's all. More air magic, more air power. Enjoy the rumbling, and hopefully you all enjoy this uh, chop version of Effects Twins. 
song. I forget what the title is, but it's dope. Helios Fan Slow Edition. Six and a half minutes. Enjoy. And welcome back to Team Rabbit Hole 196 with Morgan. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I just heard it last night. Um, I just heard it last night. When I... Yeah, I'll just say, like, quickly, the, um, of course you love Aphex Twin being a Gemini. I love Aphex Twin as well. But the really interesting thing is on YouTube, there's so many tracks now whereby they play with timing, like 33%, or they sp speed up a bit. If, you t if you're a tweaker, you'd probably like that. But um, slow down stuff just reveals so much more. I've listened to one, which I think is like almost 300% slowed to track called um, I'm God. Is it? Is it called that? I think it's called that. But um, it sounds like you're with whales in the cosmos. Like that's that's the beauty of playing with time, and that's probably a theme at present for a lot with Saturn and Jupiter and perspectives. But um, but yeah, Aphex Twin is fucking amazing. It's a good point. Uh, Saturn and Jupiter have now gone into uh, Aquarius. I saw them last night, like moments before I smoked a bowl of weed, which I hadn't done for a while. Um, I look up in the sky, I was like, no fucking way, you could see them. Because uh, it's kind of hard to catch them unless it's dark, but also just where I am in the rotation of the heavens, <laughs> it's hard to catch it, but I saw it. Um, pretty powerful looking stuff. I mean, it, it humbles you if you know what you're looking at. You're like, holy shit, those are other planets. So, um, I'm curious. Uh, I know that you, uh, when I was in Australia, I had been gifted a Crowley deck um, which was actually kind of valuable. It wasn't like one of these $20,000 ones, but it was worth like 50 or 100 bucks. Um, I actually left it there and that's gone forever, which is fine. Cause I, it's not that I didn't resonate with it totally, but I think I projected enough of my worries about dilemma and stuff like that to, uh, into the deck to be like, I don't know, it's okay. Um, but you're pretty into the Crowley deck. Uh, tell me a little about, and Crowley, it seems, tell me about your relationship with that whole, um, kind of reality tunnel. Yeah, sure. Um, it wasn't my first deck I got. It was the first deck I willingly chose myself, which is kind of perfect for if you want to work that deck, right? Like, it's the famous words are love under will, not above, under. So, um, <sighs> tell you about that. It's it's an interesting one. And, and I'll go back to gender because... Um, yeah, because I'll, I'll 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 let people know that um, as a kid growing up, I got bullied, I got teased, I got called gay because I was articulate, because I had a slender build, because I could move well, because I didn't just grunt and go uh, at life as a as a as a kid as a teenager. Um, so gender is quite a thing that I dabble with and I understand and I see it and I talk about it quite a bit in readings I give um and then we're in a bent age like honestly a really mixed up bent age with gender and that's cool because we need to understand these things um so about the the Crowley deck um that's the art the art in it is by a woman called Lady Frida Harris who the reason the deck exists it's not because of um Crowley um it was at her will and her drive which are traditionally known as masculine concepts that the deck came about but her art speaks to me 
in a beautiful intuitive way um, rather than let's say the mental masculine way and the intuitive is of the water and the mental is of the air and there's beautiful elementalism in um, the Crowley deck it's at, at each card some of the cards are like this is the watery part of fire or this is the earthly part of air because these elements and the five elements and we're moving into a five year so if you've learned a little bit about fours and how fours mix and match or how the different components of it mix and match um, you're getting great learning out there and I learn from observances of everything and the Crowley deck ties so much if you want depth um, that's the kind of deck to go to yeah I I don't know if I sent it to you I might have but David Charles Plate has a video he made maybe five or ten years ago or something on YouTube about um, the Vesica Pisces and a reordering of um, the Thoth deck which is called also the Crowley deck um, and I feel like I've sent it to you, but I'm not sure exactly. Maybe when I got my deck originally um, back in Australia, it was, like I said, it was gifted to me, and I didn't connect with it like it seems you have. But um, I'm glad that you have connected with it. Uh, is there anything, like, are you into Krolinism in general beyond just the Tarot? <laughs> um, okay, I, I am talking right now. You are talking right now. Oh, cool. Just, just, I just flipped for a moment back to the system of the circles. Uh, Waki, I'm on the phone. Okay, talk to you soon. Um, yeah, little visitor walking past. Um, am I? Um, like, I'm not. I'm not branded by anything. Um, I don't feel the need to be branded by anything. I almost converted to Catholicism at 21. I got right up to the point of baptism. Uh, I did the mock ritual, the mock ritual of of it, the practice run, and I realized I couldn't do it. It wasn't, it didn't feel right, um, and I haven't branded myself to any particular cult group system because that's not me. I want to utilize as many possible systems and understand them, um, and I think sometimes going towards one system almost asks you to reject others. And that's not for me um, to do in my path. Um, but And I haven't even read one of his books cover to cover um, of any of his stuff. I've watched videos about him. I've learned a little bit about about that, about what he, you know, but but that's a fraction. But the interesting thing about about him and what I will say about the occult is that it's everywhere. And yet sometimes the most powerful teachers will scare the fuck out of people and um, and will get a mystique about them that they create themselves. He knew what he was doing in creating his image and he's a really interesting character because he came from, I think, he came from the son of a preacher. He, he is the son of a preacher man um, of the Christian tradition. Um, so it's not surprising he decided, I'm going to jump left. Um, and if you listen to certain songs and you understand left, right, and you pay attention to music, pop music, and they talk about left, right, you can understand what they're talking about. There's two songs that come to mind for that. Uh, one's by Block Party, I think called Modern Love. The other one recently came back to me called The Fray, How to Save a Life. And there's left, right references there. 
in that. Pop culture is full of it, full of esoteric. To the left, to the left, everything in a box to the left, whatever Beyonce. Um, it's funny because there you go, bingo. Uh, I think Crowley was a Libra as well. Uh, makes sense. Right, so I and I, right, yeah. Well, I feel right, like he was right, raised, right, right. He was raised with this Christian kind of thing, and he decided to be on the equal opposite side of the scale. The only thing I've ever read of his, particularly, and I didn't read all of it. Um, I've got all of his works on my computer. I've got a bunch of stuff I've never read, um, like H.R. Geiger tarot deck, which is dark as fucking crazy. Cool. Oh no, shush! Do you own his tarot deck? I don't own the physical. Um, Geiger deck. I have uh, the PDF of it, but um, the only book, Crowley book I've fucked with so far uh, a little bit was uh, his yoga book, which was rather interesting. Union, once again, balance. And I, and I think I think that's the key to remember about a figure like that. Know where he came from, know what his origins were, so you can kind of understand why he took the path he did he was about restoring balance and i really love the deck because he's changed cards and they're subtle changes and sometimes they take a little bit to understand and work with the one that felt a little off or took me a little bit was um strength he changed to lust but the one that stands with me the most uh, waki can you please back off and stella away please i'm on the phone they're great they're great little kids and they'll they'll be fine um his adjustment is as justice has been changed to adjustment and that's the most libra f um card in the deck and as a libra when i found out what my star sign was i was so disappointed i was like everybody else is the animate they're like mythical creatures and beings and i'm scales i felt so cheated um but the beauty of the libra is that um as they're not fixed and Crowley understood this the cardinal and, and Jim you know much more about astrology than I do but um the slight s subtle shift with language can change so much in perception because adjustment like how do you find if you don't find it by being fixed there is no balance if you're fixed um so adjustment and the card is so beautiful is it's so full of movement and it's paired to harlequin and harlequin is a bit of a trickster role or is a bit of a like they move the plays around traditionally the, in the italian tradition they move the play through their comedic interjections through their mischievousness through their play they help move it move all the other characters along the whole story they help move the story along and they play a really really beautiful role and that card just by his understanding and the artists that subtle shift changes things so much um in that so he he's he's a well misunderstood beast but he's a beautiful divine being who gifted us a lot of wisdom at the same time okay so i did my best trying to understand what you just said and i assume it is for lack of my comprehension not for lack of your clarity because i'm incredibly interested in this 811 thing i always call it it's like a portal because you either have two ones or two zeros you know what is what and exactly what you said like why did he change precisely those two for me also libra you know uh i guess it's not so bad because i have leo ascending so i kind of have both so it really doesn't matter for me in a sense um, but what would you say then because i wasn't able to hear it from what you just said 
what was or what is just in your mind let's say actually the significance of that particular change and why that and why only that particular change um well well i i have no idea why i chose those two changes there's like there's um where is this deck it's hiding it's out of reach for me it's it's sitting in front I mean, of uh I mean, saint gabriel right now I mean, uh, from Crowley's point of view, why would you say did he change eight and eleven, and particularly and only those two? Uh, I I I think he changed some other cards. There's slight slight subtle shifts with it, but those were the two that that came to my mind for some reason. Obviously, you needed to hear. Um, I think so. For well, I talked about the change to oh, that's eleven, and he's changed some of the numbers too, which is interesting. But the change of justice to adjustment, it's like if you think about the concept of justice as a fixed thing that is rigid, it's, it's a sword. It can only cut down the middle. And he's teaching people that, you know, equal division isn't, isn't, isn't always the best way. If you're a judge, you have to take um, many factors into consideration. If you always cut everything down the middle would that really be justice? Uh, you have to learn to bend left, bend right, to weigh up evidence, to move. It's movement. There's so much movement in the card. And I guess that's implied by the scale, but by justice, justice has to be moving, has to have a fluidity about it. And it's the reminder, I think, not to be so rigid um, in the concept and the application of that concept. Right, so I completely agree with you, and uh, Crowley certainly has upgraded the terms. There's also, I believe, some Gnostic terminology, for example, where I believe the choice, or yeah, the lovers become the choice, for example, and death becomes immortality. So it's always good to look up these different references. What I meant though specifically is that, as far as I understand, the only two cards where he actually changed the positions were 8 and 11. Aside from that, he did some renaming and, you know, suddenly the, I'm always saying this wrong, but yeah, I think, yeah, suddenly riders, rider weights, kings became princes in his case and rider weights, pages became princesses in Crowley's case. But aside from these naming shenanigans, the only time where he really exchanged positions were eight and 11. And I just, yeah, is there anything that you have to say about that in particular? Because I somehow find that incredibly fascinating. Uh, it, yeah, exactly. I could talk about the other changes he did with um, the knights and pages and kings, and I think that's really beautiful, and that brings a whole new level of insight. Um, have I thought about the eight and the eleven? So traditionally, the eight is the let's see, it was a card that was pulled for me as the mage, right? And come again. Traditionally, in the traditional deck, is the eight the of the. I think it's strength. Arcana. I think it's strength. strength. Yeah, strength. Or less. Strength, but or less. the eight, but the eight is connected to the mage as well. It's the oh, the infinity, oh, the, uh, the like lemon's gate kind of thing. Yeah, it's definitely on the mage card. Definitely on the mage card as well. Okay, so strength, which is interesting, and no wonder this would appeal to you, Raphael, because of the uh leo ascendant um i believe right he and me both leo ascendant and, ascendant moon, and, and like... moon and like 
Wow. Okay. Okay. Throwing me on the spot to 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 pull something out of the hat here, but um, we'll see. We'll see what tunnel in my head um a rabbit can jump out of. Uh, so changing that, and I've this card has come up quite a bit for various people, and I've had to learn understandings about it. So I guess if it's traditionally strength, and he's he's done a change, and he's rebranded this into lust it's like lust is a vice traditionally and we split these things into two groups of seven in a lot of systems um so you have the positive or the negative what we're talking about with duality before but if we think about lust what is lust lust is passion in that particular card there is the lion but the lion now has seven heads and so that is directly talking about yeah, it's going beyond beyond morality or something. And and this is what certain people do and can be a bit of a trip for people. And so the card of uh which is now eight, which is if you want to be an infinite being, you've got to want it. What is a want? What is a lust? Look into the etymology of the words need and want, and you will understand. I look into etymology of words to understand where they come from and what they mean, um, what they actually mean, their origin stories. Um, so Iggy Pop, lust for life. You want to be an immortal? Do you think you're going to get that by not being hungry, not having an appetite, not having a desire, a spark, the divinity within you? And so it's a reframing of it into saying that some of the things we've shut off or cut off on the left or on the dark are actually the things that are going to take us to the right and take us to that central point and that was what Crowley was all about and why he got so grossly misunderstood and misrepresented um, by the media. Um, now the seven-headed beast is biblical and you guys could probably rap on that um, but the whore Babylon is writing it right so the trick with that card the strength is like are you going to be master um, of the, that seven-headed beast, or are you going to be slave and be drugged by it? So there's positive and negative in that card. Well, the thing is just that now, so thank you for laying that out, and I agree that I don't know the specifics because I didn't know the guy, but it definitely seems that generally he's just, uh, you know, put in one particular light, and it doesn't matter what anyone ever did, you know, it's always a matter, here I'm take it with the Bible, I think, like, you know, prove everything and take what is good and leave the rest, right? But in particular now, so you mentioned uh, the conversion, let's say, from uh, strength to lust and from justice to adjustment. Um, however, then what's interesting is that in his case, uh, lust, strength and rather weight, or lust for Crowley, is not the eight, but it's put on the position of 11. And adjustment, actually, in Crowley's case, or justice for right away is put on position eight. And that's the thing uh, that I kind of find interesting. So now uh, the balance is actually found within desire and uh, uh, the adjustment is eternal or how to say. Oh, exactly. But it doesn't matter. Like inversions, flipping stuff, moving stuff around is a beautiful gift. If you're bold enough, you can do this. And you've got to be bold to make those calls and trust in them. But if you think about what are those two numbers, let's say, or two figures that we're dealing with, uh, one and zero. Uh, I'm life path 11, um, which is an interesting one. Me and Kanye, both 3811s. Uh, but they're both, they're, they're similar concepts. It's well, like you can juggle two balls, 
right? And that's two zeros. You can put them together and you can create balance or you can do it with two ones. And what is the matrix? What is the code? It's one and zero. Then just to say, so let's just ask first, according to what system did you do that life path number? Because I know the version by Faith Trevain and Dusty Bunker, the divine triangle where you add together the numbers in a specific way. Is that the same system that you're using? They're doing it with a triangle. I don't think I've done that method yet. Uh, it's just the basicest method of, because uh, I can be a basic bitch sometimes, um, <laughs> is... <laughs> well, it may be the same method. All I want to mention is, since you bring up that one in particular, that's one of my favorites. And the nice thing about the book, um, The Divine Triangle, is that they do the associations between the numbers, the tarot cards, and the astrology. And for someone who really has to understand how these things are a synesthetic experience, that's an amazing book. You can find it online for free or it's super cheap. It's amazing. And um, my uh, soul number, according to their calculation method actually is the 3811 too. So there's this thing or two I know about it, uh, amongst others that this is, and now I can say this, but whatever, this is a card most strongly associated with a channeling because it's the queen of cups. It's actually double water. So therefore we are not surprised that you come here to talk to us about the left-hand path in your terminology. Sure. I mean, it's one of those things and it's like the 11 energy is like a lot of things aren't surprises but are still surprises like you can still get the delight but it makes sense right and that's the thing like understand i need to know some people have this hunger i need to know but that's out of fear knowing like i need to know an inadequacy whereas with uh, with people that work with those sorts of things they get they get what they need to know from so many sources and they, they don't get surprised by things but they just delight in it because that is uh it's the channeling it's one of the biggest channeling energies i think is the 11 that's why do you think i have uh saint gabriel the patron saint of communication um watching over the the crowley deck nice well now jim <laughs> you can take over well a couple things came to mind um Obviously, on a bicycle, to maintain balance, you have uh, equilibrium adjustments, right? You lean to the left, you lean to the right, but you're always maintaining a middle kind of path with the Crowley thing we're talking about. We're and, talking also, about. Uh, and also... It's a tricycle, bro. We're on a tricycle today. <laughs> that's what's up, triangular tricycle. And um, then it's also made me think about Star Wars a little, where um, the whole point of the prophecy of anakin is like he'll bring balance to the force and everyone thought for some reason that means they'll annihilate the sith or whatever but true balance meant um kind of taking the jedis who had gotten fat caddish and like presumptive and kind of you know ossified and um creating a equal opposite force to to actually create a balance which i think what that is what Crowley kind of was doing because he was living in a very um victorian <laughs> Christian era, very posh and prim and proper, and I mean, not to say that's how everybody was all always, but on the on the you know, the veneer was trying to be very uh, a certain way, and he said, you know what, I'm gonna go ahead and just shove the scale on the other way. Um, if you really guys believe in Jesus and a return and all that stuff, I guess I'm you know the beast and you know the Antichrist whole situation will come through this kind of way. Um, let's let's usher in the age of Horus. I think he was all about right. 
Yeah, the Aeon card, which is one of my favourite, which has popped pretty much quite consistently for a period last year to talk to me, and that's what that card is about, welcoming in that new age. And it's funny because I, um, uh, I'm i not so good with Egyptian mythology. I'm trying to think who Horus was. Isn't that the... Because um, I'm confusing that with Anubis. Horus is the hawk, like... Son of Isis Son of and Osiris, Isis. right? Uh, yes, correct. And Osiris was... Are we going to go into incest now? Um, because Osiris was the brother, brother-lover of his sister, um, Isis. And, and the mythology of that is... Egyptian mythology is really, really amazing. And I don't know enough about it to talk too much at length about it. It's probably one I'll read more about shortly. Well, the reason I bring it up is um, Horus was this kind of like, you know, marriage of the sky and the earth, Osiris and Isis, and it's this sun god. I mean, I think Ra is the sun god, but I think think Horus has to do with the sun at some level for some reason. Maybe I'm conflating this. Ultimately, though, Horus, I think, was born of a virgin, like Jesus. So it's funny. It's 3.33 now here uh, where I am. But uh, it's funny because... 11.33 here. Perfecto. So um, the idea, though, he's trying to usher in the age of Horus. I mean, in a weird way, that's almost like a roundabout age of and a Christ figure, <laughs> minus the Christian kind of trappings, if that makes sense. Well, trappings, and, 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 it, and it's beautiful you brought that word up because trappings, right? Um, it's like, what fold do you want to get wrapped up in? Um, and what one is going to constrict you or what one is going to expand you? Um, and which is fitting for Jupiter, Jupiter and Saturn right now. Um, so the interesting thing with um, that word, that beautiful word you use, trappings, is the left or the right can be a trapping um, <laughs> for, for either being. Um, yeah, and, and as I said earlier about the zero, and this is why I love the new deck I've got, every card is like there's a zero on the back of it and every image is within a circle is how i talked about how light moves light bends there isn't a straight line so the left leads to the right the right leads to the left if you understand the zero exactly and it's more star wars i mean the whole i've I've heard a funny thing the um golden phallus of osiris being lopped off by set and his sister finding it um uh, might be C-3PO, which is like this golden phallic thing. I, I think a lot of Star Wars. Star Wars. Exactly. Do you, do you not think these things are related or there's a reason why a color or a choice or it's symbolic, it's symbolic of so many things. And you understand this because you see synchronicity in, in your way and you've, you've got it. It's there. Right, and I don't even know how intentional some of these things are. I don't know if George Lucas was like, all right, I'm going to write in the myth. I mean, he was very much about Joseph Campbell's um, uh, hero's journey. I think that's where he was fashioning Star Wars from. But also, we've heard from Bashar, I think Rafa was saying, that Star Wars is kind of a history of the Orion Wars in a galactic starseed sense. Whoa, you guys should should definitely... um... Well, I, who knows who's going to talk about that? Not me deeply, but yeah, Orion. Orion is beautiful. It's like, it's one of the fundamental, um, it's the biggest, it's the giant. It's like of the skies pretty much and so noticeable and in everybody's collective mind, if you think about stars, like what star is there or what constellation, um, 
is huge that everyone knows about, and it's pretty much Orion. I'm not sure, Raphael, if you wanted to say something about uh, any of that. Well, just talking about maybe a more pronounced version of left-hand path. Orion, of course, is, you know, in Star Wars would be associated with the Orion system wars and Orion energy, especially if we have it in the sense of old Orion energy is the idea of, you know, suppression, domination, control, submission, and conformity with which we are confronted also today, I might add, every day, you know, until um, a decision is made, let's say, a fundamental decision. Um, but yeah, it certainly also relates to the idea of left-hand path uh, from my point of view. Yeah, just um, just quickly, if, if somebody knows and uh, what is the weapon that Orion is holding, what hand is he holding it with? Just out of curiosity, if someone knows that information. Ooh. You said Barone? Oh, I was asked. Yeah, I was asking what um what hand does Orion hold his weapon in? But if somebody knows, I think the left. Um, I think the left. Yeah. Well, really, is that a surprise? Um, but quickly, and and about the left hand path and Orion and how that might connect in the mythology story of Greek, um, his punishment. And I love, I love, I love the Greek so much. It's beautiful. The um the story why he's in the sky. He he walked the earth here, but he was. He was a bit of a beast, right? And he chased after this group of water nymphs, seven stars, seven sisters. I think they call it the Pleiades. They call it Matariki um, here. And that signifies the, the traditional culture of New Zealand, the Maori New Year. So he was a bit of a beast, chased after these water nymphs, which would run away from him. And I can't remember what happened one day. I can't remember the exact death of Orion's story but his punishment for his sins let's say and we're talking about sevens again with sins um was to be forever cursed to be placed in the sky just out of reach of his desires the seven nymphs the seven sins the seven virtues the seven a lot of uh what sacred mysticism was about um ironically is about uh synchrony which is time, like things lighting up, you know, re resonating and stuff. Um, but also, um, syncretism, syncretism, which is like, it's good to know. It's, a lot, uh, it's 11, a lot. it's 1138 Raphael where I am just, just to note. Noted. Yeah. So like knowing Greek mythology as much as Maori, as much as Irish, like it, it, it all helps give a fuller picture, um, ultimately. And in some way, uh, you were saying earlier not to keep on beating up on Star Wars, but it's like, um, Luke had to go into his cave. He had to face his shadow. And even Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi was being confronted with his, like, son being almost killed. And he found the light within him, like, a love that he thought maybe had died, even, right? His redemption. Right, his redemption. Yeah. Um, for sure, and hey, I've like I haven't done new canon <laughs> Star Wars stuff, but I, I and a long time since I watched the traditional. Um, so a bit foggy here, but his hand that gets cut off, like he loses the hand, right? And what hand does he lose to his father? I think his left, 
but I have, I mean, it's not like photographically ingrained and I'm, I'm I got to look at Orion really quick too. So uh, I'll look at that really quick. Unless Raphael, you can pull it up and see faster on the computer on multiple phones here um, in my bed covered in a down blanket, cold, <laughs> freezing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in bed too, but it's, um, it's nice. There's a bit of breeze coming through. So very relaxed way to do a podcast, I think. <laughs> the way i roll it's funny because it's fucking with my head i'm like you're tomorrow you're tw- you're you know it's three it's 3 40 p.m for me and it's you know almost uh, a little past noon for you i think and i'm just sitting here and i'm not a flat earther yeah okay yeah just before noon. i'm not a flat earther but i'm like how the fuck are we experiencing the same sun at such different times what are the time zones like i never really think about time zones so now I'm just sitting here kind of being like, what the fuck is going on? Because Raphael, it's pitch dark for him, so he's just somewhere else completely. But we're, we're I guess, experiencing the same sun in a different time? That's just fucking with my head now. Uh, I, I think I said to you in the past, um, I, I, I've made the claim I am at the leading edge, and anyone who lives in New Zealand is at the leading edge of time in the systems and it's really fascinating fact and many people will agree with me who look at astrology based in America. So we get our daily readings but they're based in America and because we're sometimes I think we're about twenty hours ahead of some parts of America, averagey about twenty hours ahead, when you read that it's talking about yesterday, which is almost a better way of reading it because you've had your day right you're not you're not influenced on what to expect you've had your day you pull up your astrology reading if it's american based and it's talking about yesterday and you're like wow that actually kind of happened but it also gives you the look of insight into what might have i missed of my learning or lesson from that yeah i'm not like i said i'm not a flat earther particularly and i'm not an astronomer so i can't even get my head i mean it's not that crazy but i'm like how the fuck are we both in daytime right now um, and yet we're so very far apart. I don't understand how the sun could be hitting us both at the same time. That's why I'm getting fucked up. Well, Jim, all I can tell you without getting into any details, just look up different map projections and different models. And I can't, I do not claim that I understand it. Um, but I would just like to point out that just as you said, the fewest people have even ever really themselves looked into these things properly. And that's always a good thing. Uh, same thing, of course, with time and all of these things, natural laws, whatever, you know. Inherited systems. Yeah, I'm not trying to sound like I just fucking, you know, saw a deja vu black cat in the matrix. But I'm just like, what? I've never, I've even, we've had flat earthers on. I've thought about time and stuff, but I hadn't thought about it. Maybe it's just because I'm half baked from yesterday or whatever. I'm like, wait, what is going on? What is? Well, think think about this, right? Think about time in the sense and the Earth. Like at one point in time, collectively, majority of the people, and we can talk about collective consciousness. Majority of the people did believe that the Earth was flat, right? So technically, it was, right? I mean, where does reality come from? It's a projection. It's a hallucination, etc. We've moved on from that, and we've turned it into a ball. And we could turn it into a different shape in the future, um, collectively via our shared power, right, of belief, of projection, of uh, many things. So it all depends where you are, and it's like there's time travelers around. So some of the flat earthers, like, where the fuck did they come from, or where are they going? 
Um, and another interesting point, like I, I've been in psych wards as well as a teenager. Um, so I got a lot of learning of the edge of things between the mystic and the schizophrenic. So I can walk down the street and talk with a schizophrenic and possibly get about 80% of what they're saying. But the interesting thing with those characters and creatures is that they, they are not limited by time and space. And that's why people find them really, really hard to understand. They just jump, they jump, 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 jump. They're like fucking particles jumping in and out of existence, time and place in their mind and with their speech but um but they go some really interesting places and this is what the the thing that people are recognizing now with the question are we drugging our prophets are we drugging some of the great beautiful learned beings because we have a tough time accepting them and understanding them it's did you want to say something Uh, without a doubt i like it i mean sorry but I think this is something that is not even too controversial anymore to state that, uh, especially, and you know, how to, how to best roll this up. You know, when you talk, especially these days about things that have to do anything with biology or medicine, it can get tricky really quickly, but I'll just speak freely. And from all that I could gather, gather even from friends and whatever, uh, you know, even like psychologists, for example, most of them are not even emotionally mature enough that they could be psychologists. You know, I'm, this is just a very simple statement now, but this is so huge. And then let's not even talk about the idea of, you know, medicating people for actual emotional or spiritual issues, which has been so on vogue. Uh, yeah, well, anyways. Wait, look, we're, <laughs> we're, we're self-medicating now. And, and this is what I did as a youth. I self-medicated. I got an award. I call it an award. My class A drug conviction is top of the class, right? I got a nickname of Mushroom Jesus in my hometown as a teenager. And the award and everything that came from that, the left side, but whatever the right led to. Anyway, I won't go down that. But what people are doing now is self-medicating. Even the institutions, right, uh, are behind in a sense they're catching up to the free people who have been doing this for a long time not trusting the pharmaceutical industry trusting yourself with your ethnogens with your substance of choice with your medicine right and it is just medicine but a medicine is also a toxin everything has an ld50 half and half right so (laughs) so the thing is to understand yourself and thyself is the most fundamental occult principle and what works for you and that's why I do dabble sometimes in substances but I'm very careful and I know who I am and what I can handle and that's why I will eat some weed from time to time in a, in a format that's agreeable but I won't smoke it um, and everybody has to find that for themselves you can't be told that you can't read it from a textbook and say this is what this is going to do to you and everyone knows that who does psychedelics yet the pharmaceutical industry will say this is what this is meant to do but here's like a hundred possible other things it could do in the side effects list. Yeah, well, there's some who say that the so-called side effects are actually main effects. There is one example, I believe, with something that's for your eyes, but it's also like a painkiller or something. And it's actually the same substance. It's just labeled differently. One time it's a main effect, side effect, and then other time it's the great reversal, just as you've talked about. Maybe the main idea to uh, pick up uh, from what you've said without getting into 
how do you say the, the trenches on any details it's just there is certainly a fundamental choice though between do i trust uh, my own body myself my intuition my experience all of those things and we know emotions can be deceptive you have to know your belief system it's a, it is a process certainly but am i willing to engage in that process and really learn about my own nature and what is really preferable and agreeable to me which may be quite unique to each and every one or do i believe in whatever conformity based system that's uh, also not encouraging me to actually learn but it's just prescribing whatever i really see a fundamental yeah a fundamental choice here and uh, at least to me it's been made pretty clear uh, what the road to take is not to say that there aren't great doctors and healers but that really ultimately everyone anyhow can only heal themselves so uh, i think it would be befitting that everyone would also be conscious of that responsibility which anyhow they always carry and i think Jim, you probably jump in after this. Um, the key word or the most beautiful word of that is the word you finish with, responsibility. Um, like, are you going to be responsive to yourself, to your situation, to your environment, or are you going to have that um, kind of forced on you? And, and look, and look, I'll own up to my part of my path of dancing around responsibility Um willingly or in in a very kind of playful way but you have to accept your fate and your consequences of your choices and actions and it is choices and um and there's a responsibility and a weight that comes from that and it will either be forced on you externally or you will own it yourself and um i personally believe it's better to own it yourself uh just for clarification in case anybody was curious i looked at the orion constellation the club is in his left hand um he's facing us theoretically and then um luke skywalker's right hand was what got lopped off but in response to what you're saying about responsibility i just did this uh seven day well it wasn't seven days i made it seven days um seven part um inner engineering course by Sadhguru, this guy from india who's kind of like woke but making it pretty accessible to people in a way and i thought hey why not um so I did that, and it's very helpful on a few levels. Not all new information, but some very helpful stuff. But ultimately, one of the things is, like, I'm responsible for everything. Uh, not necessarily in a solipsistic way, uh, though it could be extrapolated to that degree. Um, but it's, like, actionability is one thing. It's, like, what can I do? That depends. You know, sometimes you can't do anything. Sometimes you have the option to act. Sometimes, you know, all you can do is act, and you can't sit still or whatever. Uh, kind of like the chariot card is movement, whereas the hermit card is like sitting still and thinking about it or whatever. Um, but the uh, just just to talk about eight, like the movement, right? But it has four wheels, and we're in a four year and four. But anyway, that's I'm sidetracking myself even. Um, but the eight is is two circles, is like you know, and we think of the circle as being stillness. When we put that dot in the middle, it is the fucking stillness. But right from that stillness comes all movement right and that's the beauty of understanding the zero and the circle is containing all possibility and energy to burst and go and move and um so zeros we might think of as <laughs> we do discredit to zero but there's so much movement and potentiality in zero and in centering yourself and stilling yourself to know where you want to roll how you want to roll what's worth rolling towards um chuck two of those together you're going to be rolling with infinite 
very chariot card vibes. Uh, yeah, our, I mean, our, 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 it's tricky because we want to hold on loosely and not overcommit to our actions and stuff like that and our identities at a level. Like that's kind of the Buddhist trip. Um, but at the same time, the magical trip with a K is more like once you know that you have a role, like be the biggest Gandalf or be the biggest Luke Skywalker or Darth Vader or whatever, know your role, play your part, I think is what, uh, Barbara Marzenak says a lot. Um, so like we're rolling it now. Say what now? said we're rolfing you know the acronym real oh fuck what does it mean it's basically live action role playing and people do this pretend but not pretend you mean larping oh sorry that's my that's my mistake is it called is it called LARPing, not rolfing? Oh, what's rolfing? Rolling on the floor laughing. But that's a role playing too, right? It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and 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 just just to kind of reiterate, yeah, I did get pretty heavy and serious and deep into some stuff, but um but there's so much laughter and joy when you can balance equally this like seriousness and play. And this is again like paradoxes um yeah uh, getting to terms with paradoxes you can be both at the same time simultaneity that's what it's all about i mean we are waves and particles if you want like materialistic reductionistic kind of viewpoints we're both masculine and feminine regardless of gender um we're both the the the, the uh you know the all in the one and the one in the all like all of it's real and that kind of um it's almost like uh Imagine the eight ha- is like inverting on itself, kind of like you know how people do hopscotch through hula hoops or something like that. They like skip rope with a hula hoop. That's kind of like how it is. Like we we go through lenses of perceptive perception and uh, identity and our attention, I guess, and our desire. Like what you know, uh, the strength card desire um, is all about. This lust is our attention to which lens we would prefer at any one moment though there's a, a simultaneity like you're saying so there's a whole lot of things going on at once you have you know an above tree of life you have a below tree of life which is like the clepot and the you know the dark side of stuff i'm um, not just even left hand and right hand path in terms of above ground tree it's a very complicated dream we're in but it's well designed and it seems to be fun enough that we're all kind of enjoying the ride so I'm kind of curious, Morgan, um, is there anything we haven't talked about that you'd want to talk about or uh, anything we haven't broached upon that's on your mind? Uh, nothing. Did we talk about nothing? We talked about nothing well. The infinite pregnant nothing of the Zen Buddhist. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been a long time in the coming. We'll have to get you on and maybe talk specifically about oracle cards and methods there or whatever the fuck you want. Next, I, I want you to come on again if you'd like. Uh, it's been fun. Um, I'm sure. Um, I would love to. Word, word. I'm glad. So, uh, I guess, is there anything um, in a, terms of a parting statement that you'd like to leave the listeners with? Hey, um, sure. There's another book I picked up recently. Um, all right, who wants to pick a number between both of you guys? Preferably not beyond eighty something. I say 17 always. My birthday is June 17th, but also star card rules. Well, I'd say 26 because it's the number of God. So you get to pick between those numbers. 
I think we've got enough time to do both. Um, just quickly, I was brought up as a kid in the Baha'i faith, um, so the most modern, uh, I guess, established religion um, of the kind of Persian tradition, so Rumi, uh, so of Muhammad. But anyway, so I've got a book called The Hidden Words by their prophet um, called Baha'u'llah, and I'll read two little readings of those numbers. Go for it. So, firstly, uh, number 17. O son of man, be thou content with me, and seek no other helper, for none but me can ever suffice thee. Word. Word. 26, I do believe, right? Correct. O son of being... How couldst thou forget thine own faults and busy thyself with the faults of others? Whoso doeth this is accursed of me. Indeed. I'm sure that's a lesson we all have to learn. Not to throw stones. We've got our shit to deal with. Have self-compassion and compassion for others. It's a weird trip. We're all walking each other home, as Ram Dass would say. But, uh, yeah, like I said, thanks for coming on and giving us your magic and your time. Um... You're the first Kiwi. No, I was going to say the first Kiwi. We've had Huna on twice. He's a Maori, um, like, shaman type guy. You'd like him. Um, very much about Lemurian calendars and stuff and activations. Uh, he gets very deep oh, into the esoteric deep. stuff of the um, Maori and New Zealand as a kind of, you know, thing. Yeah, well, um, I, it's fine. Like, twos, what card did I choose today was the High Priestess. And we didn't probably talk about that enough but that's cool that's a whole nother trip and wrap because like this is 2020 and hopefully you guys have got another show to maybe wrap up unwrap 2020 but like 2020 has been one of the most beautiful years for so many people in so many ways and where this is going to be taking things into next year is is really i'm excited man <laughs> i'm here for the ride like for many many more years to come that's what's up. I always equate it to we have, I mean, um, you probably don't, I don't know if you know culturally what Shamu is. I think that's not even a thing anymore, but in SeaWorld in America, we had this killer whale, this orca, um, famous one named Shamu. And orca they, must and be related orca. to Oracle, right? Possibly. They're beautiful. They're dolphins. They're not even whales. They call them killer whale. They're dolphins. They're just a large dolphin. Anyway, um, the front seats of the water show, you know, it'll jump up and splash and it's like you're in the wet zone. We're in the wet zone of an Aeon shift. We are definitely in an apocalypse and it's uh we signed up to be here so try not to be too overwhelmed enjoy the ride like you're saying find the others as always yeah, so yeah. just just because you touched on water so one of the key things in self-medication i'll just hit this out briefly uh in my lands and in the cities and with young people the biggest drug that is being smashed consistently by everybody is mdmae everybody wants to feel everybody wants to get back into their feeling place and and right and there's nothing wrong with that um because that's the heart that's the heart of it all is um <laughs> is where we want to be in life right that's where we want to create from that's where we want to drive ourselves from um and and you gotta you gotta do that ride sometime you can't avoid it despite the pain uh, it's it's just it's just the path if you want to live well said Raphael. any last thoughts I think that's it. Thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure. As usual, not surprised, but delighted. So thank you very much.
yeah, I'm I'm humbled. I'm humbled by the opportunity and um and have really enjoyed this experience to be able to share, hopefully in a bigger field specter um, way, because I usually do it quite personally and intimately with people, one-on-one dynamics, so this is maybe branching me out a bit further, out of my own comfort zones, and hey, that's like Saturn-Jupiter um, growth happening, so thank you both of you so much for providing this and um, giving me the opportunity. I believe as of now, this may be one of the most private podcasts you could be on. However, it is public. So I would thank everyone for listening. And I'm pretty sure that everyone listening until now has also very much enjoyed it. So that's for certain. And yeah, come back again. And thank you so much. And thanks everyone for listening. And thank you, Jim, of course, as always. Radio Pokey.